Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building comic stories and pages one panel at a time. On this episode, we are going to review the Image Comics series released in 2006, Nightly News by Jonathan Hickman. Spoilers, if you haven't read Nightly News, you may want to hit the pause button and come back after you've read the book. This is Matt, and as always, I'm joined by my pal Noah. Hey there. And again, this episode is going to be brought to you by our Gumroad site, which is gumroad.com forward slash forever comics. Here we have a couple of comics that Noah and I have done, uh, myself as the writer and Noah as the artist, as well as my first comic, Digital Forever, that I did with artist Wilson Gandolfo. As I said, we're going to cover nightly news, and the plot of nightly news is as acts of violence spiral out of control to encompass the entirety of the news media, a cult emerges from the errors and retractions that have ruined careers, marriages, and even lives. Under the direction of his cult master, the hand leads an army of followers to commit violence, commit violence to revolutionize and willing to die for their cause. All right, with that plot covered, let's dive into this series. Noah, All right. what do you think here? Um, heavy stuff. It sounds like there's a like you know, it sounds like a Hickman story where there's so many variables and there's such a defined world going in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also tell that he knows that going into his stories, and he's so detailed, and you know, he has a history for everything. And all these pages show that you know, there's so much detail. There's so many information. A lot of it in the very like heavy graphics. Um, like, you know, heavy graphic design elements with how the lettering and the shapes are integrated into the pieces. Um, it almost comes off of as a, as a guidebook, but like there is a story here to be told as well. So it's a different take on the comics structure. Um, and he also sort of, it looks like, I mean, I've not read the whole series, but it looks like he sort of tries to get all the establishing out of the way at the beginning so you can understand what's going on. And I've read Black Monday Murders, and he tends to do similar things to that. At the beginning of each issue, he'll give a background or more of a background on each character before the main story begins. And uh, it looks it's pretty cool to see that that style never faded away from his writing. Yeah. Um, and it's cool to see also his art style matches that, and it's sort of what he pushes his other artists to do as well. Yeah, I think we get a number of uh, things that we'll see uh, throughout uh, a Hickman work. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, info dumps, graphics, um, different ways of, of storytelling. Um, there's a, uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Black Monday murders, you get a lot of information from uh, like retracted uh, uh documents or or letters being set between um uh various members of uh the institutes that are are being um being involved in uh black monday murders here we don't necessarily get uh those sort of items but we do see the the start of like a different type of storytelling um you know uh there's very few uh conventional like word balloons um a lot of it is uh a lot of it is told to you through through an infographic, um, and uh, I we 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 do see sort of a uh, 
uh, a style that uh, it looks like Hickman likes with the with the dominant of uh, of an uh, a burnt orange and, and a lighter orange color. So, um, do you have any other any other thoughts here? Yeah, it's 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 cool to see the the strong graphic elements here, where it's like he sticks to a palette. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's sort of important because you want this world to feel sort of bleak, you know, having something monochromatic, you know, yeah. in a time of like great violence and great depression, you know, that's just color 101, you know, going to a monochromatic scale just shows sort of how bleak things can be. Um, it's sort of a warmer palette too. And I don't, I've not read the stories, but uh, I guess is that sort of to the tone of the book that it's maybe a little warmer. So is it, is it a little like more uh, like the com? Is it a little more comical at points and stuff like that? Because there are some parts that sort of look like it could be a little more comical with the characters and uh, their like you know the dialogue. Yeah, there's a there's a like we said there's this dominant uh, orangish color, um, but there are some uh, there are some blues. Um, it seems like a lot of the blues are used um, during calmer sequences. And okay. um, the oranges are used when there's either, you know, action or, or, or the tension sort of uh, turned up a little bit. Um, so maybe maybe that's a way to sort of indicate to you that, you know, this is a part where uh, the story is going to sort of ratchet down a little bit. Talking heads are going to get together, um, move the story along through, through some uh, dialogue. And the oranges are when, you know, there's going to be uh, altercations or, or periods of uh, tension. So and that's, um, that's like the Godfather um, mm-hmm. in that movie, whenever there's orange on the, on the screen, something violent is about to happen. Okay. So like the big one is when, sorry, spoilers for the Godfather, <laughs> but when Don Corleone gets uh, shot in the marketplace, there are all the oranges around and everything so that's like that's a big key thing but it it happens throughout the film and even that movie has more of an orange palette at times like the last montage sequence is very like sepia toned and very orange when um michael's christening his uh baptizing his infant son and being yeah you know doing all the vows while all the violence is being taken place um so yeah it's sort of it has its roots in pop culture right there choosing orange is sort of a symbol of violence Oh, very cool. So let's uh, let's look at this uh, first page that we've sort of outlined here. This is from uh, issue one. Uh, this is page two. Um, issue one is titled "I'm Mad as Hell" and I'm not going to take it anymore. So on this page, which is the the second page of uh, the story, um, you know, we get uh, we get maybe our, our first real uh, info dump, and there is a ton of information to to pull in here. Um, we get, uh, silhouettes of, uh, some protesters with, with placards, um, in front of what looks like to be, uh, office buildings, but the, the bottom half of the page is a very detailed, uh, info dump. Um, and I would have to think for 2006, this had to be a, a pretty big shock to, to the system, to anybody who would have been picking up a, uh, uh, you know, a traditional Marvel or DC book uh, to 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 see this. So, uh, what do you think? Here we have on on this page. What what what's what calls out to you? I love the lettering on this page. Um, 
but especially I like how he organizes this piece almost around, uh, you know, you immediately you get drawn in. And the first thing I see, at least when I do it, is, is globalization, mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, you know, in bold and in the center of the page. You know, it's not directly center, but it is the closest thing to the center of the page. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of interesting that that's sort of, I'm guessing, uh, you know, considering the time this came out, you know, uh, it kind of makes sense that this is sort of what this uh, unrest is sort of representing at the time, is I'm guessing uh, the Middle East stuff. And well, so that yeah, and globalization. That and the reason. Yeah, so that and uh, I think maybe a little bit more context uh, is this: if this is 2006, we're about two years away from the the, the housing crisis uh, yeah. really, really hitting us. And uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of people behind the scenes either doing really well or not doing really well, or people who had been doing really well um not behind the scenes um and then not doing well so uh, yeah. for this to be sort of in the build-up and right before that sort of burst that's that's another another thing so yeah so you, we have the the situation um post 9-11 the world and then we sort of have uh all the economics of uh of, of america at that point so i think those are two pretty cool uh, underlying things that we can, we can see here. Yeah. And it's definitely shown in all the graphics and, uh, and that what's, what's highlighted and what's not highlighted, like, you know, the number 11.5 trillion mm-hmm. uh, is highlighted. There's, uh, you know, there are these great little, like there are these things that you can tell, like what's important is highlighted right here. It doesn't blend into the background if it's important. Um, yeah. And I like, uh, I think also what we were just talking about with sort of the the uh, relevance of this story probably is what made the style palpable at the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I guess, you know, um, you could like, you know, people could stomach all this detail because they could relate to, you know, they could see something, some like, you know, a shadow of our world and relate to it at, at the time, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great page. It's, it's, you know, it's very different and it's all, you know, it's very graphics heavy. You can tell this was made by a graphic designer with how mm-hmm. he integrates the, the shapes and uh, like the circles into the background and then how it like leads into the foreground and off the page um, and how the, the silhouettes, the white silhouettes of the protesters bleed into the um, infographics. And um, I love the details of the trees in the background yeah um and i love how like the they even bleed into some of the infographics up there as well uh it's just a strong thing all i can think of is like my like this being an example in my like graphic design classes in college like these would be like prime examples of just strong design elements um yeah i don't know what to say but like it's sort of one of those things where you just look at it and you're like i don't know why this works but it just works. So that just shows maybe how skilled of a graphic designer he is. Because it seems almost chaotic. But yeah. there's a, it doesn't hurt your eyes to look at it. I, I'm totally drawn in. Yeah, and I'm just noticing two things. Uh, that, uh, that first of many circles we're going to see, um, 
almost acts as uh, it, the the way it's set behind the uh, the building almost set uh, almost serves as like uh, the sun there. Yeah, um, and the and the protesters uh, being white silhouettes, it's almost sort of like they're out there protesting, but nobody really hears them or their mm. their their voices are going their voices are going unheard so they're not even like important enough to uh give detail to they're just sort of almost like white noise to yeah to the establishment so um, they blend into the background and into the infographics like they're just another statistic to yeah. the, this world yeah, yeah that's really great yeah um I also love the motifs in this. You have those circles that are there just purely for graphic purposes mm-hmm. and like, you know, the sun that you talked about and then the circles that lead you off and your eye around the page. But then there's the infographic circles throughout the page as well. And um, there even all of those are structured with like one ring on the outside and then one circle on the inside and then something inside of that as well. Yeah. And so there's this great motif going through, uh, going through the page yeah um so there's there's as we said there's there's a number of of infographics there and this is fairly early on i think this gives us a uh uh a very good scene of of all the levels of complexity that we're going to be dealing with um so the next page we were going to look at is from issue two um which is called the voice and we have pages two and three. Um, these pages would, if the comic was open, these two would be would be facing you at the same time. Um, so that's why I took the the two pages here because I think that they uh, I think they work very well together. Um, yeah. So we don't get as many infographics here, um, but we get almost sort of like uh, title cards for for each person um, that were that we're being introduced to, um, you know, with, uh, their names, uh, uh, dates of birth, um, and in some cases sort of, uh, short, uh, short blurbs about their history. Um, but what, uh, what, what stands out to to you here? Um, I love the, the, the flow of these two pages, how they work together, Mm -hmm. um, to create this, this arch, you know, around the characters on both pages, because it seems like, you know, they're introducing six characters throughout these two pages. And yeah. uh, it's, there isn't a mirrored factor, but it's almost like some elements are flipped, other elements are in there, you know, so that like the the composition is, is really beautiful and uh, really dynamic because of those flipped elements, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the three characters aren't like perfectly symmetrical. Like I said, the six characters aren't symmetrical. The three on the left page, the three on the right page. Yeah. And there's this like upwards, there's this upwards momentum and then it goes down and then it goes back up again. It's like a wave design of those characters. And um, it's really great. And then the, you know, the title cards that you were talking about, they're at the bottom of the left page, they're at the top of the right. Um, and then they're the lines dividing the three characters on each one as well and it's interesting that um that like they cut off on the right page almost like they do on the left page when the uh the guy with the dreads um like you know he's breaking the panel borders yeah. and uh but there's nothing breaking the panel border borders on the right excuse me right side no so 
um, you know, always a good uh, sign of something that, you know, these characters don't carry as much depth or importance to the story as maybe the character on the left side does. Yeah. And I like, uh, so on what would be uh, page two of this sequence, um, the character in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, the one that's been handed the, the, the audio cassette tape, uh, the one that has the, the tape player on his chest. Yeah. He's, he's higher than the other two. And he's sort of like in this pose, like uh, uh, that he's preaching and you kind of get, you get that, you know, these by positioning him a little bit higher, you can see that he's sort of standing and pontificating and and telling you stuff. Um, Or actually it looks like mostly the, the audio cassette that he's put into his um, player around his neck is, is, is what's preaching, but he's still, he's still in that position. Like he's delivering the message and the other yeah, two, like are, that. the other two are a little bit lower. Um, and they're sort of the same level as the, the, the word balloons or the dictation that would be coming out of the uh, thing. So it's almost sort of like they're on that same level, but he's, he's a little bit higher. Um, so I think that's, that's a pretty cool uh, way of, of showing that. Yeah, I really like that. And I also like how um, you can tell who's going to be, you know, uh, a big player in the story, even on the, the right page as well, mm-hmm. um, with the, the woman on the, on, the, the, on the left. Yeah. Um, you know, she's the bigger, the more prominent on the page. Um, but even she's not as important <laughs> as the guy on the center panel on the first page. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he breaks the panel borders and she's still confined within it. And uh, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, yeah. Also, again, having these circles around and even in this one on the right page, there's a circle, like an invisible circle connecting the three, you know, the three characters on there as well. Um, and there's yeah. like, just like one like ellipses at the top or like uh, one arch that mm-hmm. connects all three. Yeah. Uh, but it, it aligns perfectly with the, the circle in the center of the page. Yes, it does. Um, so again, looking at page two, um, the guy with the cassette player and uh, the other character who we, we see um, um, throughout the, the episode, I, I trying to remember back, I think he's sort of the one that's, really going around causing havoc, spreading, spreading the message. And we see that here. Um, but they're sort of, um, they're sort of in a different color palette. They're, 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 they're orange. And as we said, you know, uh, maybe he's creating a little bit of chaos there. Um, you know, spreading the, spreading the, the, the news or the information. Um, but they're also the way that they're shaded, it almost gives them like, a, you know, this happened a little while ago. Um, and then, you know, the, these three here that are darker and more sort of in the forefront, like this is happening now. So it gives you like an element of mm-hmm. time, like this just happened. Now he's got the cassette. Now he's, now he's letting the cassette preach. So, um, I think, uh, there we, we, I think we can see that through, through the shading. Yeah. You can definitely see that. Yeah. They're much more rendered when they yeah. come forward. And I love that depth that he creates with the gradient from top to bottom of the orange. 
Yeah. Um, and then again, like it, it gets, you know, darker to lighter in the center and then it gets back in the darker, but I like how he colors the six characters and they're, they aren't, they aren't as like the burnt umber mm -hmm. color in the background. Um, they're more like they're, they're more cold browns, um, in their palettes, like their skin tones and their clothing. And same with the characters on the right as well. You see like whites integrated into their, into their clothing with the, the man on the far right has a shirt with a tie, like a white shirt Woman yeah. in the center has a white shirt. Um, but they're also all like their core colors is this like light tan. And, um, it's amazing how just changing the color a bit adds so much more depth to a, to a piece, even though this is mostly like, you know, this is a pretty flat, the, the, the colors are pretty flat, um, mm -hmm. that we've seen so far. Uh, but just changing the palette a little bit, making it colder instead of warmer, really makes them stand out from in front of this, like, you know, this warmer uh, burnt umber color in the background. Yeah. And we, 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 get, uh, we get a number of uh, diagonal, diagonal lines here, yeah. um, which we had seen earlier, um, sort of in the, uh, the building structure um, on the page that we had, we had talked before. So we definitely have a lot of, a lot of things that are uh, leading, calling, calling our eye, are just sort of almost fading in, into the background. Um, but uh, that will take us to the next set of pages that we we looked at. These again are in issue two, uh, the voice, and these are pages uh, four and five. So these would be the next two pages after the ones that uh, we discussed. Um, Page four, we have the audio cassette again, um, spreading the the information, um, and then we get uh, the bottom half of the page, uh, another infographic uh, with a lot of text or symbols to sort of show you like a ranking scale. Um, and page five, we get a very similar uh, three page or three uh, three box three panel. Uh, division of three people talking um, with the character that we've seen uh, before in the in the foreground, um, and he's 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 delivering uh, delivering us more information. So, um, what do you think here of pages four and five? Yeah, it's interesting that they take they break up the character introduction um, that you know that that they did in the last two pages to just mm -hmm. go straight for the message that he's talking about being the, you know, the, the focus of the first third of the first page of page four on here. And then it's all graphics. It's all, you know, just getting it out there. It's very straightforward. Here's what you need to know about what he's talking about. Is that, that's what it's about, right? Is it sort of like what this guy's referencing? Yeah. In, uh, in his message. Yeah, and it's he's pointing out a number of like inaccuracies in the in the reporting. Um, so there's a you know further spreading the message to to not trust everything that you're you're being you're being told through various uh, media sources. So um, okay. instead of having you know the main character just sort of sit there and uh, deliver this to you uh, through through dialogue it's it's being done mostly uh through the through the infographic that we have here yeah it's really interesting it kind of makes the writer more omniscient than anything in this story mm -hmm. you know 
or it, it reads like a the, this character, the main character, he's like a reporter, isn't he? Or like a documentarian? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. So it reads like how like Black Monday does too, where, you know, it feels like a detective's report. Because mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the character that you're, you're, you're witnessing this world through for the first time, when you get to get answers for things, you're not just viewing things that don't make any sense, is a detective. So mm -hmm. this one, you know, it's laid out like a, like a guy who's like, you know, trying to present this in an article, you know, uh, and like in a magazine or something like that. And uh, it's really cool. I like that. That's sort of, you know, making the writer maybe not so much omniscient, but like, you know, like this is a message, you know, this is something that he's trying to get out. He's trying to make you understand like this is something really happening. Mm hmm. That's what the first page gives off. And it's a really cool, again, design, the circular. I like the the cassette having the circles within it again. And it yeah. sort of leads you around. The, it, it really, the motifs lead you around the page as well. As, lo as, lo as, as much as these, like, broken up shapes in the far background, mm -hmm. um, which was also on the first page. And th these are continued into this page as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that there's a lot more white and a lot more negative space on this page than on the previous one. Uh, I mean, white negative space. The last one had a lot of brown, orange negative space, but this one has a lot more white negative space. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, again, um, they also switched up how they introduced these characters on here because in the, on the last page it was, uh, you know, it had the um, – sort of more like yellowish orange um, in the background of the labels of the each person's names and information. And this one, it's like dark, dark, almost reddish orange in the background with uh, white text. And uh, yeah, it's cool how he just sort of tries to switch it up, tries to keep it moving so that you as a reader are, are still paying attention. You know, yeah. there's some just little things changed up here and there just to make sure that, you know, your eye doesn't get bored or just doesn't start glazing over things. Um, yeah, just switching things up, giving your eyes something fresh to look at. Yeah, so um, what do you think about the fact that uh, none of the faces are um, very, very rendered? Uh, you know, you, we don't see, we don't see, I don't think we see the pupils of anybody's eyes. They're all, yeah. they're all, they're all, they're all dark um, in, in heavy shadow. I, I'm wondering if that's sort of like, uh, um, if that's sort of like trying to show that they're, they're, they're finding their way or, or they're, they're they still haven't uh, reached um, a full understanding of, of, of what's going on. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, either, every, I don't think we see the pupils of anybody's eyes on any of these, these three pages. They're either, wearing glasses or, or heavy shadowed eyes. Um, yeah. So. There's a great video by, um, have you ever watched any of the videos by like the every frame of painting guy? Um, and he's done stuff on like, he has like a great video on like David Fincher films and like Edgar Wright. Um, but one of his more obscure film ones is uh, about this like whodunit film made. Um, I can't remember if it was a Korean or, another kind of Asian film. But so Who Done It Murder Mystery. And he talks about the art of the profile in that movie, how all the suspects are are shown from pro profile so that you don't know um, 
like, you know, like you don't get the full picture by getting to look at a full view of their face, you know? So there's this mystery around all the characters because you never get like a full view of someone's face at a certain time. And I've seen that in other films too. Like most recently I was rewatching Psycho. Mm -hmm. And at times uh, Hitchcock will turn the camera away from Norman. So it'll be like a profile or a three quarter view at certain times and the lighting will be different um, because they're hiding the twist that comes at the end. Um, So there's a lot to like how you place your characters, how you light your characters. um, So that adds mystery to them. So um, I don't know how that operates within this story, but like, you know, the fact that even on the previous page, you don't, no one's ever facing forward. And part of that's a composition thing that leads you around. But also I think this is a a time of conflict where you don't know who to trust. You know, this is a time where you, you don't know, you know, who's going to stab you in the back. And I think that's sort of what this is as well, where, you know, you never get to see their soul basically. And you never get to see them straight on. Yeah. There's a, you know, nobody, uh, like you said, nobody's straight on, but even, even when uh, the faces might be somewhat pointed towards you, you you don't, uh, you don't see their, you don't see their eyes or you don't see a lot of details in their face. So it sort of uh, adds a bit of, uh, uh, mystery Distrust. or, or yeah. not, not, not seeing the full, not seeing the person fully. Um, so you sort of get that by literally not seeing them, them fully. Um, so, um, do you have any other, any other thoughts on these three pages, um, that, that, that we looked at here? Um, I thought, uh, after any final thoughts, we could just sort of go into, um, some some Hickman isms that uh that yeah. we might see in, in in other works from this. Yeah, I mean it definitely has Hickman's style. It's pretty it's pretty awesome to see someone's style be so prevalent so early on, you know? Yeah. Um you know, I've not read very many people's early stuff, but someone with like Hickman who has a very clear style, very clear way of how he likes to tell stories, how he likes to write the motifs he likes to put in his stories. He loves shapes. He loves including that into everything that he does, whether yeah. it's image or whether it's Marvel or DC. Uh, it's awesome to see that like he hasn't like compromised in that whatsoever across the board. Yeah. Um, so looking at some of his other stuff, um, every almost, well, I think every issue of uh, East of West, you after a few pages in, you get a, you get like a, a two page like title card um with like the the name of the issue and then like a sometimes related blurb of of text or uh or uh, a saying that you're gonna see um yeah. it's very it's very cinematic it's sort of like I've watched the first couple minutes of a film and then here's the you know here's the you know the the title card for the film just announce you know announcing the the name and the director and stuff like that so it's very cinematic and it has a lot of circles in it so yes. i think i think here we see the uh the circle motif um uh a lot of his fantastic four stuff had the the info dumps um and they tended to be at the end of a of an issue um you would have you know, Reed and his crew um, off, you know, doing their, doing their adventuring, you know, typical Fantastic Four stuff. And then at the end, 
Um, the last page just might be um, some sort of journal entry that was being done by Reed to sort of recap and uh, think about like next steps. And that was a lot of that was done with uh, with an infographic. Um, so I think we we get we get that here, and which had to be very interesting um, taking that to to a Marvel to a Marvel book. Um, but he was able to bring that style there. Um, it was, uh, I think it was a little bit, uh, uh, some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. I think that's true of most things. Um, some people saw it as a, as a shortcut, um, instead of, you know, having it in the story, it was just like, Hey, let me tie up all of these plot points that I didn't get to in the 20 to 21 pages of, of panels. Uh, here's everything all at the end and we'll be back in a month. But, uh, we definitely get the the infographic carrying over to Fantastic Four. Yeah, well, I, I think that's the risk you have with any kind of style. You either like it or you don't like it. You know, yeah. when any any that's that's across the board with like any kind of art that you create. Uh, but you can't help but like you know, there's no arguing of that it serves a purpose within his stories and how he writes. You know, he doesn't go out of his way to put these infographics in. Yeah, uh, each of these things has a has a reason for why it's in there. Um, and yeah, like I said, what I have read extensively of his is Black Monday Murders, and he does that, you know. Yeah. He makes sure that you know what's going on, whether it's through the story or whether it's through the text. And what's also cool is it, it works with, well with how I learn, mm-hmm. being like super ADD, you know, where I have to have things repeated to me like a couple thousand bajillion times in order for me to learn it. So he has the like, you know, he has the info dumps at the beginning, but then they'll reference it throughout the comic as well. Yeah, you know, not in like a, in a way you would in a conversation when you just bring it up. But you as the reader, you have an insight into that. And be like, okay, that's what they're talking about. I yeah. remember that I just read that. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like a refresher course. So like you have the heavy info dumps and then the refresher course in the dialogue, which is a little more easy to understand. And then you get a full grasp of the world. It really works out great. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I think some of the, uh, well, uh, Black Monday Murders has a has a different uh, artist, but I feel like some of the the the, the facial expressions are, are very very similar. There's a lot of people in that book who are untrustworthy, and yeah. I feel like a lot of them are de- uh, depicted in the same style of uh, heavy shadowed faces, um, not looking at you from you know straight on angles. So I, I think that's another sort of uh, Hickman thing that we we. We first see here, but we'll we'll see in a, in a in another in another work by him. Yeah, it'd be great to do an episode on Black Monday, just to talk about some of the pages in that, or the okay. info dumps or whatever. Yeah. So um, I think uh, another thing is the is the color scheme uh, yeah. that we talked about earlier. Um, this orange color scheme is very prominent in another one of his series, uh, Pax Romano. Um, uh, which would have, if I'm remembering correctly, he would have drawn that as well. And that would have been his second thing. So it makes sense that, uh, you know, that style sticks and maybe, maybe it was just, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I think artists, uh, get into periods where they, the certain colors, uh, stick with them. Picasso had a blue period. So, um, maybe this, this, this burnt orange and and orange colors, uh, maybe they were just really, 
really uh, at the top of his mind or, or, or really calling to him at that point. But we, we do see, we do see uh, a very similar color scheme in, a, in another work of his. Hey, if it works for you and if it's something that you want to see, you got to go with it. And it seems like, you know, yeah, and it helps you. It certainly helps you create a, uh, yeah. a, a common look um, uh, between your between your series. Um, not not necessarily having them connected, but uh, sort of in a roundabout way have them having them connected. So yeah. Uh, so I think uh, I think we've we've covered a lot of stuff here. Um, as we said, this was a 2006 um, series. Um, and he's, you know, um, he's sort of, from what I can remember, um, uh, really sort of burst on the scene. There's a, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pull quotes on the back. Um, you know, he's got a pull quote from Andy Diggle, um, Bendis, Brad Meltzer, Stuart Eminem, um, just sort of praising him for, um, you know, creativity and, uh, you know, uh, Brad Meltzer says, uh, this is what the future looks like. I have no idea where Jonathan Hickman is taking it, but he does so clearly. Um, so he's, he's definitely getting a lot of praise for this and it's going to lead to him, uh, working at Marvel, um, basically, um, uh, doing a huge Marvel event uh, for Secret Wars, and then sort of stepping away from Big Two Comics and going back to to Image um, to do creator own stuff. So, um, and you you told me before the podcast he was basically a board graphic designer. Yeah, um, there was a there was an interview I saw somewhere where he was. That's that's what I I remember that he he said that he was a you know, cubicle info or a graphic designer sort of fed up with the, the corporate grind. And, and this was, uh, this was his first thing. And, you know, luck of the draw, he took it to image. They, they accepted it and uh, they put it out and he's been, been doing it ever since. Yeah. Awesome success story. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, any final thoughts you have here um, on this, or if not, we can um, we can we can bring it to a close. Yeah, no final. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I love these pages. It makes me want to read the series. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different. Um, it's it had to be different at the time, and it's very different than um, a lot of stuff that we would be seeing now. Some ten to twelve, maybe even longer um, than that. Um, uh, so it was probably a, a, fre- or a breath of fresh air at the time, and even could be now if you were, if you were bored with uh, standard uh, superhero comics and you were looking for for something different. So yeah, uh, something yeah. politically intriguing. Yeah, uh, you'd, per, uh, we were talking about the, how it would have been received in two thousand and two, um, but if you think about uh, current day, where we are now with the. Uh, uh, calls for for fake news. Uh, this could almost be even more timely, timely yeah, now. So, all right. Well, that's gonna bring us to a close. And again, we covered uh, Jonathan Hickman's 2006 image series, Nightly News. Um, thank you uh, for joining us. So we'll be back with an ep- another episode very soon. Thank you.
Thank you very much.